Hello, and this is Dylan Shoup coming to you alone on this special episode of Carpe Noctum. As you know, we couldn't meet this past week. Dylan was traveling. And so this is not episode 7. Rather, this is what I will call a special episode featuring just me, Dylan Shoup. I am coming to you this week, the week following Election Day, the Friday after recording, of course, on a Thursday night, per tradition. And I am coming to you to talk about this past week. And let me tell you this. Let me, let me start off, per tradition, by saying I am drinking a pumpkin ale, courtesy of Samuel Adams. Quite delicious. Appropriate for the season. And I'm happy to be drinking it. I am drinking alone. I don't know if that's a sad fact or not. You know, it's something that happens, I feel like. Either way, Dylan is here, uh, but just in spirit. And so, you know, in some sense, I'm not drinking alone. Nonetheless, moving on. So like I said, this past Tuesday was election day across the country in many different states determining who would represent them in state and U.S. Congress. And I got to tell you, it was pretty uneventful. Essentially, there was no blue wave for Democrats. It was pretty much always expected that Democrats would take the House and that Republicans would keep control of the Senate. Now, I don't think it was expected that the Democrats would lose seats, as many as they did in the Senate. Josh Hawley beat out Claire McCaskill, one of the worst senators, in my opinion, in Missouri. And I'm certainly no fan of Josh Hawley. I was pulling for Austin Peterson in Missouri. But when he lost the Republican primary, I was going to be upset no matter what. Because Austin Peterson was, he was a libertarian masquerading as a Republican, but, you know... He was a good politician. He was a good guy. And uh, I, w- I was pulling for him. But either way, at the end of the day, I almost just didn't care as long as Claire McCaskill wasn't in office anymore. And by January, she won't be, which is great. They also lost a seat in North Dakota. And, of course, Beto, Beto O'Rourke lost his bid for Senate in Texas against Ted Cruz. Not a big surprise given that most of his supporters weren't even living in Texas. So, you know, he didn't really have that support that counted. All the people in Hollywood can support him, but they can't vote in Texas, so, or at least legally. So, you know, he, he wasn't ever going to win. Here in Oklahoma, where I reside, where many of our listeners reside, we decided to elect a businessman named Kevin Stitt to the governor's office. Now, this man was almost kind of like uh, like Trump in a way, where he was a political outsider, wasn't politically involved prior to this election, but decided to run on a Republican ticket, pushed his outsider quote-unquote experience, and came away with a win. He ran as a Republican. That's probably a big reason why he won, given that this is Oklahoma. But a big thing nowadays in Oklahoma is education. 
Oklahoma was among the many, many states earlier this year that experienced a teacher walkout due to a severe shortage uh, in, in funding. And the teachers not only wanted pay raises, but also wanted, you know, books from this century that weren't falling apart for their classrooms. Understandable. However, Kevin Stitt didn't have much of a plan to fix it. He sort of did. He talked about it. Never really got very specific. Drew Edmondson, his Democratic opponent, got a little bit more specific. Um, I'm personally, I personally believe that neither of them are really going to fix it. Because, you know, this is government. But either way, that was a big uh, selling point for each candidate. You know, they were both trying to appeal to the teachers and to supporters of education and teachers. But at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. Because this is Oklahoma. No matter what, a Republican was going to be living in the governor's mansion come January. Whether it was Kevin Stitt former Oklahoma City Mayor Mick Cornett, or someone else. It was going to be a Republican. And so call them failed policies, whatever you might, it's going to continue. However, here in the 5th District, here in Oklahoma City, we do now have a new congresswoman. In fact, a Democrat beat out her Republican opponent, an incumbent, and she will be taking the reins here in a couple months. Surprising, not just because she's a woman and this is Oklahoma, but because she's a Democrat and this is Oklahoma. Either way, I don't know much about her. We'll see how she does. Best of luck to her. Either way, really that's not even the point. I, you know, I wanted to recap that real quick, but that's, that's really not the important part of this special episode. The important part is... Something we, we've touched on on and off throughout the last several episodes, really since the beginning. I am what you might call an inclusionary. I am a big believer in inclusivity, in diversity, and ultimately in graciousness. And, and I have always found it difficult that individuals across religious and political ideologies become so hell-bent on defending and propagating their viewpoint that they become hostile to other people who hold different opposing viewpoints. And it's, it's a sad fact because, as we discussed in our last episode, not even two weeks ago, an act of hate and anti-Semitism unfolded in my home city of Pittsburgh. And it's pretty safe to call the guy a Nazi. A Nazi. Allegedly, I have to say that for legal reasons, decided to shoot up a synagogue, leaving 11 people dead. And that right there is... An example, an extreme example, but an example of someone not living with those who are different. <laughs> the thing is, is that in principle, that's not different from the individuals who were standing outside Tucker Carlson's house last night, screaming at him. 
and blaming him for that tragedy or any other tragedy. Obviously, no. Tucker Carlson wasn't shot dead. His family wasn't killed in cold blood in a religious setting. It's not the exact same, but in principle, it's the same. People are attacking those with differing viewpoints. And the issue is that that doesn't work. A recent essay in Quillet Magazine, a very thought-provoking publication, discussed the moral differences between the average conservative and the average liberal here in the United States. And what each side fails, on average though, is, is more prevalent uh, on the liberal side, is that we fail to see and address the moral differences in each other. For example, I cannot make an argument to a liberal for a conservative viewpoint using purely conservative logic and a conservative worldview. Because that person does not share that worldview, and, and vice versa. I cannot argue for a liberal viewpoint using a liberal worldview, because that person does not share that worldview. Just earlier today, a friend of mine on Facebook posted something about our recent election for our governorship. As I said, um, the Republican won, as was expected, and a big, there are many criticisms, criticisms of this gentleman, um, but she, she posed a question, for those of you who voted against Drew Edmondson, the Democrat, please tell me why you support an anti-vaxxer and why you don't care about education for our children. Now, from her viewpoint, that's as simple as it is. I support Drew Edmondson for these reasons. Therefore, people who don't support Drew Edmondson don't have these same values or don't care about these things that I do. Because to this person, the obvious choice is this person, is this candidate who holds these values. And the only values that count are the values that I have and the values that this candidate stands for, for example. So, as much as I you know, care and respect this person uh, who, who made this post, it completely misses the point. To these other individuals on the other side of the aisle, it's not that they don't care about education. It's not that they don't care about vaccinating their children. And maybe that is the case for some of them, you know, I won't speak for all of them. But at the end of the day, they have a different worldview and they have a different set of values by which they view the world and therefore go and vote. So she can make that post claiming that people who voted for Kevin Stitt don't care about education or don't care about vaccinations or whatever. That not only misrepresents probably a large, if not all, of the people who voted 
for Kevin Stitt. It also fails to establish any kind of bridge and any kind of dialogue. She posed the question as if she was welcoming conversation. But she did it in such a way where she was already assuming her superiority and her moral righteousness so that the conversation that was going to follow this post wasn't going to be anything of value. It was going to be an argument, the kind of argument that makes you not want to get on any form of social media. But at the end of the day, we cannot continue together so long as we do not make an intentional and genuine effort to understand the people on the other side, the people who who are members of a different tribe, who have different ideologies, who, who worship a different God. We cannot live beside them and we cannot begin to learn and form relationships with them so long as we do not make any level of effort. And for that matter, so long as for what effort we might make is rooted in an assumed superiority. At the end of the day, I am going to have my very serious issues with both candidates. As a third party voter, I already didn't like either option. And as a third party voter, I'm used to getting blamed for being the reason one candidate or another loses. Because to a number of people, a third party vote is a wasted vote. That's an entirely separate argument that I won't go into maybe on the next episode. But for now, I make my vote with a genuine effort, weighing it against what I know and what I believe. I think there is validity and value in voting, quote-unquote, selflessly, voting as if you are the other, voting as if you are the marginalized. I think there's validity to that, but I personally... Try not to vote as if I'm anyone in particular. I try to vote on principle. Because principle is larger than anyone or any single issue. And I believe that the only political party that comes close to that is the Libertarian Party. And when it doesn't, I criticize it. But in any case, I am weighing that against my own worldview that I am constantly challenging and developing through my own life experiences and through my own personal pursuits. Likewise, others are doing that in a number of outlets, in a number of ways. And we cannot begin to heal the wounds in this country, to heal the deep divisions in this country, so long as we're not making an intentional effort to understand other people. That's all I have this evening. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's something you think about. Maybe you'll question it next time you want to tear into someone on social media for having a different opinion. 
Maybe you'll think twice before you get into an argument with a family member this Thanksgiving because they have a different political or religious view than you. At the end of the day, we're all American. Most of us, most of our listeners. (laughs) But more so, we're all part of the human race and human life and the experience thereof is incredibly valuable. And it's that commonality, it's that humanity that we share that should be at the root of every relationship we form and every bridge that we attempt to cross. We will be coming at you again this Sunday. Dylan should be back for episode 7. I'm certainly looking forward to it. But in the meantime, until next time, I'm Dylan Shoup.